So 100% what I would say is make sure that you don't just do it without having some sort of guidance and having somebody that is like a mentor of yours. It doesn't have to be a paid mentor. It could be just a friend. It could be anyone that does Airbnbs. Learn from them. Learn as much as possible from them because whether it's cost money or whether it's free, you're just going to save yourself so many mistakes. You're going to cost yourself so much money by not doing it. But, you know, eventually, uh, once you learn as much as possible, then then you can ban and grow as, as big as you want from other people. Learn from other people. Everybody want to get the bag, but y'all really know what it's going to take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue Jill's about to show you the way, because we're top finance and amortizing and anything it takes to get real estate. We've been grinding up there, finding ways to get paid. Better hop on this wave, because we're dropping Blue Jill's. JB dropping Blue Jill's. AG dropping Blue Jill's. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. Another episode of Blue Gems Podcast with Abraham Gray. My man, you are the king of Atlanta or probably just Georgia. Let's uh, dive into your story and like how you got started. As far as starting in real estate, I've been doing business for a long time. I started my own businesses and been buying businesses since I was 15 and (laughs) built up enough money, you know, in my teenage years that once I got into my early 20s, like 21, 22, I started buying property. And I started off just buying some rentals. And then I went from rentals to fix and flips to, you know, some everything. Amazing. So what are you specializing now? Like today, what's your portfolio look like? What do you like to buy? All that good stuff. Yeah. So I probably have a couple hundred homes that I have as rentals. (laughs) I do have a couple short-term rentals, but mostly long-term rentals. And I have rooming homes and I have lease purchases. I wrap homes to people. A little bit of every exit strategy. My main thing is I'm buying about a home every single day. So I buy about 30 homes a month right now. And I would say most of them I'm flipping. The, The market's still really high. I never try to buy and hold properties when the market's super high because I'd rather buy them when they're on the lower side. The only ones that I'm still buying that I'm keeping are like a lot of the creative finance deals I buy. So I buy a lot of subject to deals. I buy a lot of owner finance deals. Those are the ones that I'm keeping right now and all the cash deals, mostly what I buy, either fixing and flipping or selling to another investor that wants to fix and flip it or sell it to somebody that wants to keep it as a, a buy and hold rental. Love it. How are you finding most of your deals? I assume since you've been in the game, you probably have a lot of different funnels and how you're finding these off-market properties. Yeah. So I have a whole bunch of different ways I find them. I would say about 50, 60% of what I buy are coming from other wholesalers in the area. And probably about 10% of what I buy are coming just from posting tons of stuff on Facebook every single week. And people just know that I'm in the industry. So a lot of my friends and friends of friends will hit me up, say, look, I got a house to sell. I have a lot of real estate agents that give me pocket listings. I have a lot of real estate attorneys in Atlanta that will call me and be like, oh, you know, somebody just backed out of a property. The seller really needs to sell. Can you come look at it? So I buy some properties like that. And then I have my own acquisition team in my office here, 6,000 square feet office in Atlanta. I have a lot of people in here and we have a team of people that just cold call and then go out and buy properties. I get a decent amount of properties like that every month. And then I also own a Homevestor franchise that I bought last year that I get another, you know, three, four homes a month, at least, you know, that way. Man, crushing it. I wanted to talk a little bit about the businesses that you own. You said you started at 15. What industries were you in back then? 
even before 15, I used to sell candy in school and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't really count that. But when I was 15 is when I started my first business. And that was, um, I sold sports cards. So I, I went around, I collected baseball cards and football cards, you know, when I was a little kid. And when I was 15, I turned it into a business. So I would go around and set up at baseball card shows and sell my cards and buy from people, sell from people. And I did really well when I was 15. I was making about $1,000 a week. And then, you know, oh. when I was 15... I, I started doubling, tripling that, and then more and more every single year. And I got, you know, really good at it. And, you know, by the time I was, you know, 19, I already had like a million dollars saved up. And then I was able to just, you know, grow and do other stuff and just went into other businesses from there. What made you go down that path versus, you know, traditionally going to school and, you know, becoming an employee? I was a really bad kid and I really don't like people telling me what to do. If you're an employee, people tell you what to do all day. So I was like, fuck that. I don't want people to ever tell me what to do. So I wanted to make my own money and be self-sufficient. I knew to do that, I had to you know, figure out a way to, to make my own money. And at the time, I wanted to do something fun and something that I knew about. And baseball cards at the time, football cards was something that I enjoyed and I was able to make money at. So I got into that. I was always a troublemaker in school. I was always getting kicked out of class. I got, you know, suspended all the time, stuff like that. I couldn't focus on just one thing, working for someone sitting there at a desk all day. So I knew I didn't want to go to school and do that stuff because it's just not me. Too ADD for that. I just, you know, wanted to do something fun. And I just got really good at these things. I got good at negotiating. I got good at anything to do with business. And every single year, I, I learned more. And I had people around me that were... You know, I, I would watch and, you know, they were already doing really well and learn from them and just got better and better. So you started in baseball cards and then you went into real estate or did you have anything else in between? I, know, I had a million things in between. The way I make most of my money is in business. I have a lot of businesses. I have dozens and dozens of businesses right now. I've had hundreds of businesses, you know, since I was 15. I, I've had businesses I made $100 million at. And I've had lots of businesses I make tens of millions of dollars at and so on and so forth. Real estate, I just kind of do like on the side a little bit just because it's just good to have extra passive income and sources of income. So I always did real estate as a side hustle, never as my main thing. Back when the recession hit 2008, 9, 10, 11, I got really, really big into real estate because stuff was just so cheap and there was a lot of money in it. Up until about two years ago, I, I kind of was 90 some percent business, 10% real estate. I've always done real estate, but it was a small percent of what I did. The last two years, I actually switched and went 90% real estate and 10% business because the real estate market was like the hottest I've ever seen since, since I've been doing it. And literally, it was printing money. Every time you'd buy a property, it was worth, you know, five, 10% more the next couple of months. And it was impossible to lose. Like, I actually bought hundreds and hundreds of properties the last couple of years. And up until like two months ago, I'd never lost money on a property. I, I would make five, $10,000, sometimes 100, 200,000 on every single property I bought. The average property over the last two years, I made about 35,000 a property uh, in profit. Wow. I just couldn't lose because anytime I fucked up, which I didn't fuck up much, but anytime I fuck up and buy something for a little bit too much or needed more rehab than I thought, I just didn't sell it. And two months later, it was worth a lot more. So that's why I didn't lose. But two months ago, the market started to turn and it's still really good and still really high, but it's not as good as it was and stuff starting to come down. So over the last couple of months, I have been selling some properties at losses, but it's, it's a small percent. And you know, small losses, but I still have a lot of properties that I'm buying that I'm making, you know, hundred thousand dollars on fifty thousand. So I mean, I'm basically just getting rid of the stuff I make a little bit of mistake on and or the market corrected. So I'm being more careful what areas I buy in and, and you know what prices I pay. And especially stuff that needs a lot of rehab because the market has been going down a little bit every single month. So I know like properties that need a lot of rehab, there's a good chance by the time I'm finished, the market could be even a little bit less. Makes sense. So I want to pivot just a little bit and kind of talk about how you were able to acquire all of these businesses. Where are you finding these businesses? Like if I wanted to buy a business, where do I go? 
in the beginning, I actually started a lot of my businesses. And then I realized okay. over time that much better to buy a business than to start one for the most part, unless it's like a very niche type business. So a lot of the businesses that I made a ton of money on are very niche hot businesses that didn't exist. So I had to start those. And I have a whole process of how to find these really, really hot businesses that you can make just crazy amounts of money really fast. Besides that, because that's like, I'm one of the few people that do that. Most businesses that I buy that already exist, I don't start. I just buy businesses from other people and I buy profitable businesses. I get people that are motivated, just like in real estate, and they'll give me crazy terms. In real estate, you know, 99% of deals done in real estate are cash. Maybe 1% or less is creative. In business, it's the opposite. 99% of businesses you buy are going to have some sort of creative concept to it, where very few people pay cash for a business. So it's a lot more fun because you can buy a lot of businesses with very little, really, it's none of your own money. So a lot of these really expensive, you know, multi million dollar businesses I bought with no money, none of my money. The way you find them is the same sort of ways that you can find real estate, right? There's on-market and off-market. I buy very little on-market. But if you want to buy on-market, basically like using the MLS for property, there's something, there's a bunch of different sites like that that, that have tons of listed businesses. The main, most popular one is called bizbuysell.com. You could go on there and there's hundreds of thousands of businesses for sale. And you can search by state, by city, by county, by how much they make, by industry, whatever you want to search. And you can find stuff on there. Now, if you do look for stuff on there, I try to look for stuff that's been on there for like a decent amount of time, like at least 10 months or longer, because those are more motivated people. When people first put it on there, they're thinking they're going to get such big money and all these offers. And that usually never happens in business, right? It's different than real estate. Once people have stuff listed for 10, 12 months, they become very motivated if they really want to sell it. And then you can make unbelievable incredible deals with them. But as far as off-market, which is mostly what I buy, it's the same thing like real estate. You know, First, I try to figure out what cities or states I want to buy businesses in. Then I try to figure out what type of businesses I want. And then I just search for every business that exists and basically send letters to every owner, You know, send emails to them. I hit them up on LinkedIn. I you know, sometimes will drive by or have people drive by and just see you know, if they could find the owner and talk to them. There's also a lot of different Facebook groups that have different industries that if you want to target certain industries, you just get on those Facebook groups and say, look, is anyone trying to sell an HVAC company? Is anyone trying to sell this type of company? And, you know, a printing company, a trophy company, whatever it is, there's Facebook groups for everything. And you just get on there and, you know, you meet people that way. And again, there's a lot of other ways we could be on this call for probably, you know, 10, 20 hours and, and not go through all of them. But that just gives you a little idea of, of the most popular ways. Amazing. And then how do you determine what's a good deal? Right. Because we're always looking in real estate, figuring out properties to buy. But how do you figure out what business you want to buy from an ROI standpoint? Yeah. So it's it's very similar to real estate, right? When you do, when you buy real estate, you have to comp a property to see what it's worth. So you know what to pay and you know how much you need to make. Well, on a business, it's not called comping, but basically what you're doing is you're evaluating it to see what it's worth. And typically the type of businesses that I, I target are like small to medium-sized businesses, businesses that are making a hundred thousand dollars a year to you know. $10 million a year in profit. And those types of businesses are valued for the most part, somewhere between two and three times what it makes in profit a year. So if a business is making you know, 300,000 a year in profit, it's valued somewhere between 600 and 900,000. That's what it's worth to pay for it. Now, if you're paying all cash for it, you definitely are going to pay on the lower side, but that very rarely happens where people pay cash for a business. If you get really, really good terms, you're paying three, four times, you know, the price will depend on the terms you get. But for the most part, you value it two to three times of what it makes. And then of course, there's a ton of due diligence. You got to make sure that the numbers they give you are legitimate. So there's all kinds of things you have to cross reference and check on. 
to make sure. And then there's all kinds of things people try to add back or take out. You got to know how to figure that. I actually go through all this stuff. I do like a couple of masterminds every year and it's from like A to Z. There are three 10-hour days and I go through every single thing about business. And you could, you know, when you leave, you could start finding these businesses and making offers and you know, I teach you how to run them, what to look for when you buy a business. Because when you buy a business, it's not like real estate. Real estate's easy. You could just go to a house. You could look at everything that needs to be fixed and you know, okay, look, it needs 50000 in repairs. It's worth 500000 I want to make 50000 It's going to cost me a certain amount of money in um, realtor fees and all this stuff. And you back into what you want to pay. And with a business, there's a lot more to it. You got to figure out, okay, well, who's going to run it when I leave? What type of marketing do they do? You know, so there's a lot of moving parts. Customers going to stay? Are you know, is there competitors coming in town? Like all these different things. There's a lot more due diligence. And that's the main reason why nobody pays cash for a business because of all these moving parts. And a real estate, you could go in there and you know, look, after you inspect it, you know what it is. There's nothing that you're going to need that seller or that owner to tell you later down the road. In a business, you're going to need that that owner to help you a lot. So that's the main reason why you don't want to pay for it up front. Because if you pay for it up front, they're just they have no motivation to help you anymore. If you owe them money for three, four, five years, they're going to help you because they want to get paid and you have a relationship with them. So that, that's one of the main reasons why you don't pay for something up front in full. Sometimes you pay 20% up front, 40%, 50%, whatever, but you always get them to owner finance a certain amount of it for that help. Besides that, obviously you don't want to pay all, all the cash up front because then your ROI is not as good. You want to have a better cash and cash return. These are the types of things that you know I look for when I'm buying a business. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, have you found certain types of businesses have more success than others? And if so, which what type of businesses have those been? What I've found is that there's not really a particular type of business that does better or worse than others. What I would say is more based on the person that's buying the business. Someone that knows nothing about an industry or nothing about certain things, if they shouldn't buy a business that they don't know nothing about in the beginning. You should buy a business in the industry that you know something about. Maybe you worked in that industry before, maybe you have friends, maybe your parents, or if you don't know much about it, at least buy in the industry that you enjoy, that you like, or you want to learn about. Because if you go into an industry and you just don't like that industry, you know nothing about it, it's going to be hard to do good, harder to do good. And you know, once you get really good at it, you could almost go to any industry and do well. But you know, everyone's good at different things. So you want to make sure you target what you're good at and target what you know about and target what you enjoy. Love it. Makes a lot of sense. And then what about the management component, right? So you talked about how important it is to have a good operator when you're taking over a new company. Are you hiring anyone when you acquire a new business or do you keep the current team in place? So one of the main reasons why I buy business instead of starting businesses is because everything's already in place. You already have a whole team of employees. You have management in place. You have employees. You have, you know, location. You know, if it's a location, you have um, equipment. You have everything in place. You know, you have your vendors. That's the main reason why I buy it. You literally could buy a business and start making money the day that you buy the business because it's already, you know, you already know the numbers. You already know how profitable it is. And you take it over and it should run the same. So it's very, very important that all that stuff's in place. If, If a lot of that stuff's not in place, then it starts you know, defeating the purpose of buying a business. So one of the most important things for me to, that will kill a deal to buy a business is if the management's not in place. So for instance, if it's an owner-operator business and I'm buying an owner-operator business and the owner did everything, that's most of the time a, a deal killer for me. I don't buy those businesses much because you pretty much don't have anyone to run it. You know, So either you do got to hire somebody, which is you know not ideal, or you got to run it yourself. And if you run it yourself, some people want to be an owner operator, which there's nothing wrong with that, which is good. If you're making a lot of money, fine. You know, you're just buying yourself a really high paying job. I'm like I told you earlier, I can't do one thing. I'm too all over the place. So I need to 
keep looking for more stuff. I love searching for the deals. So if I was stuck in one business, then I'm done. That's it. That's all I can make. So I I have to have that manager in place. If for some reason the manager is not going to be there anymore, I basically have to figure out a way to find someone that can run it or, or else I usually don't do the deal. If I'm wanting to sell my business one day, what are some things I should be doing to make it attractive for someone like you to buy? beyond what we already mentioned? The two most important things by far, make sure there's a profitable business and that you have a lot of systems in place. And secondly, make sure that there's management in place because again, most people that are going to want to buy a business or the easier, it's way easier to sell a business that you could, the owner could leave and nobody even knows the owner left. Like it just runs just smooth. You know, like if the owner was a big part of, you know, integral part of that business and they were to leave after they sell, the business could go to hell. And who wants to buy a business where that's just a big gamble. So making sure that before you sell the business, it can run without you there is critical. And of course, you want it to be profitable, have a lot of systems in place. I also target businesses that have been around for a long time. So the longer your business has been around, the more valuable it is. If it's only been around for a year, two years, it doesn't have that great of a track record. Who knows You know, if it's going to stay being good or go down or who, who knows? You know, I target businesses that have been around typically 10 years or longer, but for sure five years or longer. And I have a good track record and I know how they're going to do basically, you know, unless something crazy with the, with the industry or market change, but those are way safer. And plus the businesses that have been around for a long time have, you know, are usually owned by people that are about to retire or something like that, which is a very good reason why somebody wants to sell a business. One of the main reasons people want to sell a business is because they want to retire. And that's the right type of person you want to target because they're super motivated. They want to quit. You got to target people that are super motivated. The things that make people super motivated are, they want to retire, that maybe they're moving out of town, uh, maybe that they're sick and they just can't run it anymore. Maybe they're about to get divorced and they're in a different part of their life. Maybe that they have a better opportunity and they want to sell that business because maybe that business is making 200000 a year, but they have an opportunity to make $500,000 a year doing some other business or something else. Those are the types of people that you want to target, the people that are selling it for a really good reason, not people that are just selling it, starting a business, you know, and then every single year selling a business, starting new businesses, because those people are a little bit more shysty and you could definitely, first off, they don't have a good track record, but you don't really know how they're going to do and they could be tricking you as far as, you know, how good the business is. We are thrilled to announce Blue Gems Management. After building out 24 short-term rental properties of our own, we're now helping other investors buy their time back. With over 300 five-star reviews, we really understand the importance of guest experience. If you're interested in making short-term rentals passive, click the link in the show notes below and someone from our team will contact you soon. Now back to the show. And then what about branding? I know a lot of people who put their name in their business or make it about themselves. Would that be something detrimental to selling it in the future? I don't think it matters what the name is. And what's crazy that you, that you know, the way you mentioned that is that some of the best deals that I get in business are, of course, businesses that have been around for a long time. And what's crazy about a business that's been around for a long time is the owner of the business is around their business more than they're around their kids, their wife, anything else. So their business is like their baby right? Because they're there all the time. Think about how much you work compared to how much you're at home. Someone that's owned the business for so long becomes super attached to every, everything about their business. They're super attached to all their employees. They're super attached to their customers that have been there for a while. They're very attached to the, to the name of the business, you know, because they built up this great reputation over the last 10, 20, 30 years. They want someone that's going to buy it to maintain that good reputation. So I've actually um, tried to buy businesses from people that a few people made offers on. And I told them, look, I'm going to keep your name. I'm going to keep all your employees. I'm going to keep everything the way it is. And this is what I can offer you. And they said, look, they had other better offers. 
dollar wise higher offers, but the people wanted to strip their business. They wanted to like merge it with their business, change the name, maybe, you know, change management and stuff like that. And they're like, you know what? The most important thing to me is to make sure that, you know, I maintain my legacy with, with the business. I'm very known in my town and, you know, I'm proud of it. I want to keep it that way. And my employees are like my kids, you know, I love them. My manager, he's been with me for over a decade. Like I can't even imagine like him not doing exactly what he did now. I, I don't want to hurt him. So a lot of these business owners that have been around for a long time value that more than the money actually. So keeping their legacy, keeping their name, keeping the people in place is super, super important for a lot of these people. And I, I try to keep it the same as much as possible. I, I very rarely try to change anything unless something's really off. Love it. Love that. You said you started off building businesses. Are you still building businesses in niche markets? And, and what are you most excited about if you are still building? Uh, what type of business? So I start a lot of businesses in these niche markets. And over the years, the way I made the absolute most money is in that industry, like in starting these niche businesses that make a ton of money. And a lot of the businesses that I start make millions and millions of dollars, like boom, right off the first you know year, it's worth it. And I have a whole system of how I figure out which businesses will make sense. There's, there's a whole system I have where I you know search every single state, every single city, every single country and see what's hot in those countries and what doesn't exist in my city. I travel and I go there and I, I look at them. I track the bookings. I track how much money they sell in different ways, depending on what the industry is. Over months of, of research, I'm like, this is, a, this is a really good company or this is a really good business. Why does it not exist in my city and, or my town or my state? And I you know, basically will start bringing stuff here based on that. So a lot of the businesses that I've started, either I was first to market in my city. Sometimes I was first to market anywhere, but I'm definitely for, usually first to market in my city. And a lot of it, I, I just got the ideas from other people. Right now, I'm in the process of opening adult-themed putt-putt golf places that have like nice kitchen bar themes, and people could come in, and it's just like an adult-themed you know place to go eat, drink, and but also play putt-putt, miniature golf. But they're like super, super technical, um, you know, miniature golf type places that are really, really fun. They're nothing like you would think of if you thought you know putt-putt in the past. There's actually one company now that is expanding all over the. Um, all over the country, one company. I'm very similar to that company. The, the one that has been around now for a couple of years that keeps growing is called Putt Shack. And my, my place is going to be very similar to, to the Putt Shack. And there's Putt Shacks in all the big cities now. Mine are called Putt Nation and they're similar, but they're not in the same places that that is. I actually was planning to open a lot of these before COVID and I would have been the first one because Putt Shack wasn't even open then yet. COVID just scared me to open entertainment. People didn't want to be around people and all this other stuff. They already started their build-outs, so they, they kept opening them and they've been killing it. And that, that's one of the newer things that I have. But I have a few other entertainment concepts in the works right now that nobody does anywhere that I came up with these. And those will be the next things that I do, which will be pretty cool. And I always try to start them in Atlanta because I'm here or in a city that I have another partner with. So I have some really, really good partners in some other states or other cities. And those will be the cities, if not Atlanta, that I'll start them in. And once I see that they do good, I just open up tons of locations, right? The location I made the most money on, I had over 300 locations over, wow. over a seven-year period. I started with one. You know, people were like, "How did you? How did? You, how in the world did you have three hundred locations? You know, how did you have a thousand? I had a thousand employees in that business. How do you have a thousand employees? Well, I had one location, three employees, and then I had three locations, you know, ten employees, and then it would have been impossible to open up fifty locations or hundred locations. Impossible. I opened up one, then three, then eight, then fifteen, then forty, and you know, I learned as I did it, and I got better, and then I, I you know, I hired the right people in place to manage everyone else, and I couldn't have done it all at one time. I, I had to do it 
progressively. And I had to also make sure that it was a good business and that it could sustain, you know, opening tons and tons more locations. Love it. Amazing. So we are in the short-term rental space, as you know, and one of the debates in our industry is whether short-term rentals are a business or real estate. I wanted to get your opinion on the asset class. I think it's both. So I have a bunch of short-term rentals as well. It's 100% both. Now, if you have like one or two or, you know, a small amount of them, you know, it depends on if you're arbitraging or if you actually own the property. I think it's, it's if you have enough of them, it's definitely a business. However, I don't think that business is um, something that you could value the same as another type of business for a bunch of different reasons. If you've had your Airbnb business for a um, significant amount of time and you're steadily making the same amount of money and you're in a city that you think that the laws aren't going to change, then you could value it more like a regular business. A lot of the places that I have Airbnbs in over over the last couple of years, I've had to get rid of my Airbnbs because the laws have changed in a lot of cities. And some cities won't let you have more than one, or some cities won't let you have any anymore. Some cities you have to, yeah, it has to be your homestead home, or some cities, you know, they have all different types of rules. So they're getting stricter and stricter now. A lot of the cities that I'm in, Atlanta in particular, just came up with a law that you can't have more than two Airbnbs in Atlanta. And to have an Airbnb in Atlanta, you have to actually live in Atlanta. Basically, they haven't been like going after people that you know are against that. So some people still have 10, 20, 30 Airbnbs. Eventually, though, they might go after those people. Right now, it's still okay. You got to be really, really careful with the Airbnb business if you are in a city that you think might change some of the laws and might you know actually go after people and shut people down that, that are not doing what they're supposed to do. It's pretty lenient in most places right now, especially in Atlanta. But there's some cities near Atlanta that are 100% they'll shut you down. There's not even a question. And there's a lot of places you can't do it now. So it's just a little bit risky if you're in certain types of towns. Now, certain cities and certain towns love Airbnb and they're never going to shut it down. Those are, you know, those are a lot more safer. Love it. Makes a lot of sense. I'm going to pivot one more time back to the businesses. Now, let's say if someone that's listening has a great idea, they're onto something, it's a niche kind of business. Would you be interested in investing in their startup? So I don't really ever invest in anyone's business ever. But what I will do is I'll partner with them and put up my share of the money or maybe even put up a little bit more if I'm a partner with them, if I like the business. So I'm, I'm partners. I have more partners than anybody that most people know. <laughs> over seven, I've had over 70 partners now in all these wow. different I had since I was 15. Now, I still have probably a couple dozen partners today in different businesses. I'm totally down to be partners with people and put up money or, or find money for people, whatever, if, if I'm involved. I don't ever want to be a passive investor. It's just not my thing. It's boring. And um, I just don't like doing that. That's fair. If you guys have uh, good ideas, give this man a shout. For sure. So we have a lot of newer investors just starting out their journey. What would be your advice for someone just getting into the business and short-term rental industry? So 100% what I would say is make sure that you don't just do it without having some sort of guidance and having somebody that is like a mentor of yours. It doesn't have to be a paid mentor. It could be just a friend. It could be anyone that does Airbnbs. Learn from them. Learn as much as possible from them because whether it's cost money or whether it's free, you're just going to save yourself so many mistakes. You're going to cost yourself so much money by not doing it. So find other people doing it, help them, get involved with them, learn from them. Maybe, you know, if they need help, like just keep helping them. Let them know, look, my goal is to open my own Airbnbs. You know, can you help me give me advice? Or do you want to do it with me? For maybe the first one or two you do with someone, maybe you do it by yourself. But, you know, eventually, uh, once you learn as much as possible, then, then you can, you know, expand and grow as, as big as you want from other people, learn from other people. Love that. And then what does a day in the life look like for Abraham Gray? 
day in the life is, you know, I wake up you know, right before nine o'clock. I get to the office by 10. I'm basically in the office, you know, from 10 to six right now with real estate. Before, before I got really, really heavy in real estate, I wasn't even really in the office as much. You know, I was maybe half the day, you know, I'd be at the gym a lot. I'd do all kinds of stuff. I'm very big into self-care. So I, I, I you know, I get massages a couple of times a week. I, I'm in the sauna all the time. I do cryotherapy all the time, which is that, you know, the really cold stuff. I, I'll, I'll do all that type of stuff. So I'm always, you know, doing those types of things throughout the week and especially on the weekends. But I'm in the office. And right now, because real estate is so hot the last couple of years, I'm literally getting hundreds of people send me deals every single day. I'm just looking at them. So I'm basically comping deals all day and figuring out which ones I want to buy. I might get 100 deals a day and I'm buying one of them. So you might think, look, I'm buying 30 homes a day, uh, 30 homes a month. I'm buying a ton of property. I am, but I'm not buying everything I see. I'm buying like 1% of what I see. You know, I'm still picky to some degree. You know, I buy the, the right ones that make sense that I, I think are, are going to be profitable. So I'm comping all day. I have tons of people call me all day and pop in my office and ask me questions, help them with this, help them with this. I'm always helping people out. I always give people good advice or I think it's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always networking with people, always networking. So half my day, I'm on the phone. I'm, I have people here and we're just talking different things. And then I'm always researching new things to get into. So that, that's part of my day, part of my week every week is just seeing what kind of cool things that I could get into, how I can make money and other stuff. And then I loan a lot of money to people, especially in Atlanta deals. So like I have like $10 million of my own money out just that I've loaned out to people that are doing fix and flips in Atlanta. I do tons of transactional loans. So a lot, part of my day is just making sure I wire the people the money they need, making sure that I'm getting paid back when I'm supposed to, but I have all kinds of spreadsheets and stuff like that. So th those are kind of like the main things I do. Then once I leave the office every day, I, I go to the gym, I do jujitsu like four days a week. I've been doing that for like 10 years. Let's go. Yeah, that's, that's really fun. You know, then I go home, eat dinner, spend time with the kids. That's pretty much it. On the weekends, I go out with the family, do stuff, and you know, just kind of chill, relax, enjoy life. Love it, Love man. that. Yeah, I've been wanting to get into jujitsu for a, a minute now. I've been on and off for a couple of years, just hadn't been able to stay consistent with it. But I love, I love the sport for sure. If you could leave one more blue gem with the listeners, it could be about anything. It could be about life. It could be about business. It could be about real estate. What would you want to leave them? I mean, the most important thing is just to be positive all the time and to believe in yourself. If you just believe in yourself and you're positive all the time, good things will happen. If you're not, you're just going down the wrong path and probably you're not going to be as successful as, as you want to be. Love that, man. And uh, where can people find you? I'm on Facebook all the time. So you hit me up on Facebook, you know, friend, friend request me. If I see you we're in the same, you know, industries or, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends, uh, I'll definitely friend you. You got to check out my YouTube channel. It's Abraham Gray. I put out new videos every single week that are basically how to make money in business, how to make money in real estate, how to have a better life and, and all these different types of things. They're, you know, five, six, seven, eight minute videos. They're, they're funny and they, you know, you'll learn stuff from them. So definitely uh, follow me on YouTube. But yeah, just hit me up on uh, Instagram, TikTok, you know, Facebook, whatever. I'm always on Facebook, so that's the easiest place. But if you're in Atlanta, I have local uh, real estate events. Every single month, we have a live local real estate event. So come by and we have uh, there for like three, four hours and plenty of food. We have all kinds of special guests to talk about specific things. And uh, yeah, we, we network and stuff like that. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, brother. Amazing episode. Yeah, Thank you, brother. Appreciate talking. it. Thanks for having me. If you're interested in scaling your short-term rental portfolio and networking with like-minded individuals, we host a short-term rental meetup once a month in downtown Orlando. 
click our link below in the show notes to register. See you at the next one. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.